All right, last episode of the year. It is Friday the 31st, episode 46. And I'm a little bummed we didn't get the 50 episodes in 2021. So it is what it is. But at the rate we do, which is roughly two a week, we should be plenty good for the next year. So we're going to have a nice little portfolio set up. But I wanted to lead the show off with our Gold Star Awards of the year. And we got five different categories. All three of us weighed in. First category is the psychopath entrepreneur. And I don't mean a physical psychopath. I just like they've they've literally just completely dove in and they understand how the product works and how you get to get it to market. And I, I, people that we admire and say, all right, these people are they're kicking ass. Second one should have dated in high school category, which is just I mean, not physically dated, not actually high school, obviously, but we should have bought this a long time ago. Probably should have seen it coming. And, uh, you know, a little bit of buyer regret there. Got the third one, the flop of the year. That one is self, pretty self-explanatory. Fourth, most annoying buzzword. That'll be fun. We've had a lot. This has been the last two years have been the years of buzzwords. And number five is the not quite dead yet. All, all three of the last ones are self-explanatory. So for the first one, psychopath entrepreneur, I, I don't, who wants to go first? I can go first since I got the pretty much cop out in this category. Fair enough. So for my psychopath entrepreneur, the man that has done the most most in the past year, I got good old Elon. Yep, saw it coming. <laughs> so that's what we were we were joking about before the show. We're like, all right, someone's going to use Elon for one of these categories, and I, I I was determined to not be the one to do it, and I'm glad you fell into that trap. Yeah, this man could sell ice to an Eskimo, so we're gonna, we're, he's got to be up there somewhere. I don't think he'd sell it. He would just reinvent it in a different way, and then everyone would want it. I love it. Lithium ion ice. Yeah. <laughs> Battery powered ice. <laughs> I love it. All right. I'll go next. Uh, I went with Sahil Bloom, who I enjoy a lot. If you look him up on Twitter, he's more, he's, I guess, lesser known. Uh, he and his partner, um, Greg Eisenberg, do a lot of really awesome stuff. They have, a, they have a terrific podcast I like a lot called Where It Happens. Uh, they also have a Discord server called The Room Where It Happens. I really enjoy participating in it. I like the stuff he writes. I think he's just the guy who's really got a good grasp on how to get a product to market and how to innovate. And I always like anyone who's made it, you know, in the traditional sense, like they don't, they don't, they probably don't have to work the rest of their lives, but they've, they've made it and they still want to participate in the new industries and be a part of it. So I admire that a lot. All righty. Um, you got anything else on him or am I good to go? It's all you buddy. All right. Mine was, uh, I went with Gary V and, uh, we've touched on him a couple of times on this show. Um, not too knowledgeable on his individual businesses, but the reason I uh, selected him for psychopath entrepreneur of the year is everything I see is him selling stuff. And uh, a lot of it's, you know, self-help stuff. So who knows how real it is, but the big thing was with crypto and NFTs. I mean, I heard so many stories from uh, different YouTubers, celebrities, um, different influencers saying Gary V kept getting all these people on calls and pushing Basie or uh, was it CryptoPunks, um, different stuff like that, and just getting all these influencers to buy in and, and kind of get on board with it. So it's kind of genius uh, really on his part, because as we discussed on the show is things are only worth what people are willing to pay. So he did his part, generated a bunch of hype around this industry, got all these influencers involved. And, you know, I, I, I would be willing to, argue that his efforts help drive the price up dude he's got so much energy i can't watch anything he does like i i totally you're right like he could literally sell anything to anyone talk about someone sell ice to a snowman but 
I, he just has so much energy <laughs> and you try to watch one of his videos and he's he, he just talks about like giving everything up to get to the end and sell and you know you know just like power through and all this stuff i'm like god i hate the lifestyle you live i respect what you're doing i get that you're really good at it but i'm like a you know what happens happens and you should always do it the right way kind of thing he's a crazy man yeah it, it's tough to get through some of his videos i'm not gonna lie but he, he's crazy i mean i've heard stories of him with like logan paul who's a youtuber oh, yeah. odell beckham jr who's a football player and dj Khaled, who's a music producer all on the same call just pushing crypto into them and nfts and saying you gotta buy this this is the next big thing get a get a crypto punk get get in the board apr club you need it and and lo and behold i mean they all have one now that's fair so we'll move on a little bit but greg eisenberg has talked about this a bunch one of the guys i just mentioned where the first step in pretty much getting to any kind of successful process is you have to get the audience going. And if you're a guy like that and you're working with other people who have massive audiences, if you have enough if you have enough push with those audiences, you'll probably be able to get a product moving, even if it's a really terrible product. So it's just true. And if people are buying your stuff, technically by the definition of capitalism, you're providing value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a hell of a salesman. I have no clue how he got to where he is today, um, but he's, yeah, I know he came from, he didn't come from money. So whatever he did works. And if it works for him, uh, all the more power to him. Yeah, I'd say like him, Tony Robbins, and maybe Grant Cardone. But I would never endorse Grant Cardone because I think he's a scumbag. Sorry, Grant, if you're listening to this. I don't like what you do, but it is what it is. But like guys like that that just constantly push, just bother enough people until you get to a sale. I absolutely hate that. I think it's, I think it's the wrong way to do business. But the problem is I can't argue because they're rich and I'm not. So they've obviously done something right. <laughs> so that's a good point. Cheers to that, guys. Sorry, Grant, but it is what it is. And Matt, you put something up. You should you should go for that. The notable mention, honorable mention. That's worth. That's definitely worth it. So my notable mention in here was the Paul brothers. Obviously, Logan and uh, Jake Paul. They started out on Vine. I remember watching them back then. Pretty cool. Hopped on YouTube and TikTok and that type thing. And now apparently they're both professional boxers to some degree setting up fights with guys that are old and irrelevant but beating them somehow they've created a whole new career out of it for themselves so definitely up there for psychopath entrepreneurs that somehow just force their way into the uh community that they're in now i like that mention because i kind of hate them and i think they're terrible and super annoying too but they are absolute geniuses and all right so like i'm glad you brought the boxing the boxing is a good one because I don't know which one does it or if they both do, but either way, you'll notice they only fight people that are like technically professional boxers, but like not really like they've lost the last eight fights they've done, but they're still professional. So whenever they beat them and they kick their ass, they say, oh, yeah, we're a YouTuber. Uh, we're two dudes on YouTube that just beat up a professional boxer and made an extra $500,000 from it. And I'm like, well, technically you did beat up a professional boxer, but he was barely a professional like it. I don't, they're really good at what they do, and it's just genius publicity all around. Yeah, they tend to pick someone that was like, it's been multiple UFC fighters, so they're fighting in a sport that they're they're related to, but like totally put so much more restrictions on them being boxing. And then they've also like, I think one of them fought, uh, he, he fought like a basketball player or something, just to say he beat a professional athlete and all that type <laughs> stuff. They're just like, and the other guys were like old and retired, like they'd been in it, they like. Or five-time champions of the UFC, and then they're like, they're done, they're old, not in the shape anymore. But hey, they beat the five-time champion of UFC. Did didn't one of them fight Floyd Mayweather? Yeah, I think Logan did. Oh God, I don't know how it went. <laughs> I don't even remember that. I've just seen it in the news a couple times. I think we, yeah, there were so many restrictions on that fight and rules. I remember it was 
I forget what it was, but it was it was an exhibition. There wasn't going to be a winner announced. Um, it was there were so many things in there so that no matter how it went, Floyd wouldn't be embarrassed and Logan would come out looking pretty good. Yeah. And they both make just an absolute ton, like a boatload of money. Yeah, it was it was genius. I mean, they're genius marketers. And whenever you have the money they do, I mean, you can pretty much get anyone you want into a ring with you. Yeah, that's true. And I'm man enough to say that I don't like them, but I absolutely respect the heck out how smart they are. It's unbelievable. Oh, man. Okay, all right. So now we'll go down to the second category. I should have dated in high school. I'll start off this one because I went last. I said Tesla. I think this is the cop-out answer of these three that we've got here because it's like the one... Well, all right. I will defend my answer real quick because the fundamentals behind... Tesla stock has never made any sense at all. And I've said it the whole time. I said, look, if you were up 30% in 2018 and you were like, oh man, I made 30% this year on Tesla stock, I would have said, get the hell out of it. They haven't produced a single car. Like they haven't nothing or they, you know, they have their old ones, but they can't ever hold to a deadline. He's funding projects. He funds his future projects from revenue with projects that he makes up on the spot, like a flamethrower. Nothing makes sense. It is such a high risk, but it has worked consistently and you're just make you've made so much money if you've held on to it for the past few years so that's on me you know what i'll take that fall yeah hey that's fair i mean i've been hearing since tesla began and first went public that they're overvalued so like what 2013 i mean for almost 10 years now everyone has said every single year tesla is overvalued tesla's overvalued tesla's overvalued <laughs> and i mean and it just it just holds steady. Yeah, no one it could have seen going. that we're, we've we've gone into the, the world of meme stocks and where everything's all hype-based now. Nobody could have seen that coming. So, you know what? It is what it is. Mm-hmm. All right. All righty. So for my second one in the should have dated in high school, I put Bitcoin on there. I know people were talking about it in high school. People had their own little miners that were mining. Back then, it was like one Bitcoin in a certain time period. But compared to now, it was a much faster time period. And it was worth not that much back then. Didn't really have an audience or anything. But now if I had mined the amount of Bitcoin they did back then, I would probably be retired at 24 and that would be nice. Yeah, if you had the superpower of hindsight and you could have gone and bought up like 500 of them and then just and when they were like two cents. Oh. They were kind of like a joke back then, I feel like. I, I vaguely remember seeing like, you can pay with Bitcoin, but then it was like, what chump has Bitcoin? Like, why would you do that? And then all of a sudden, one day you wake up and it's like, oh my God. Well, are you kidding me? Do you ever hear the, uh, do you ever hear like the, the pizza story that is involved with early Bitcoin? No. What? I have, yeah. Enlighten me. So it's, it was a long time ago. I don't know the year, but it was back when it was worth absolutely nothing. And the internet was still in like deep web two where we were just getting Twitter maybe. So this is this is the internet is still kind of like a best use case. Uh, not everyone is on it. The older generations are not. And so there's a, a pretty fairly large group of people all got together and got a little obsessed with this project, this little Bitcoin project. And their uh, use case, their use thesis was if we can somehow convince someone that we'll trade them this digital asset for a pizza, if we can buy a pizza using these things, it's now it's absolutely been proven like it, it'll go into the future and we believe it i don't know how many bitcoins they use but they did end up buying a pizza with it i i, I gotta look it up bitcoin pizza story i'll see if i can find it and plug it into the show notes because it was really kind of funny and you look you look at the date stamp on it and you say ah oh, yeah well probably should have figured it out back then but there's again nothing you could have done to have figured it out it did not make any sense back then the world was different 
I really hope that pizza shop held on to those bitcoins. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I, I, I can't remember if they paid a specific person to like make it and bring it or if it was a shop. I don't know. Either way. Mm. All right. We got one more for uh, shit updated. Yep. Um, I've got down GPUs uh, for people out there who aren't technically or technologically inclined. Uh, graphic processing units. So uh, like graphic cards that go into computers. They are rare nowadays, let me tell you. If you're not in the computer space, you really wouldn't know it. I mean, everyone talks about microchips shortages, so you might have an idea, but GPUs are impossible to get, and anyone that's a PC gamer needs a GPU, and you constantly have to be upgrading it, but it's impossible to get your hands on now because they're also used to mine Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And I just read earlier today that 25% of GPU purchases in 2021 have been from Bitcoin and crypto miners, which is an insane number. And it, it is almost impossible at this moment to go online and find a GPU that's reasonably, reasonably priced. I, I would issue a challenge and say, if anyone can find a reasonably priced new GPU that functions, let me know. But, but I mean, if you had the hindsight back in uh, in high school that GPUs were going to be all the rage, uh, I would have bought them all up right before COVID and I'd be sitting on a mountain of GPUs. Yeah, but don't they advance so fast that like by the time a year goes by, is a whole different one out? Yeah, yeah, they advance quick. That's why I said right before COVID, you know, you get them all right before COVID, world shuts down. And then probably June, you could have sold a bunch, like a whole stack of them. Well, if you had That's the, the like, thing is like, I've got one of the built PCs and I've got a fancy GPU in here, but like, it depends on what one you get. Like GPUs, you can spend anywhere from like $500 for a really cheap one, but not that great and probably want to swap it out into a year. So you can spend tens of thousands of dollars on these things to put in your computer. Obviously if you spend more, it's going to have good enough graphics for a longer time. You're not going to have to swap it out. But like, I looked at mine and like, I bought my computer last Christmas and it's got a pretty good setup back then i could run like the top game that was coming out with the high specs which was cyberpunk when that was cool and i was like oh well maybe it's about time to replace mine like some of the new games like halo require higher specs and i looked it up and like to play them on like average settings or even like above average settings i would have to spend three thousand dollars triple the cost of my computer just to put one part in there I would think that the company, like the big companies that probably have something to do with that too, because they have to supply computers to most of their employees now as everyone goes uh, uh, virtual. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I hadn't considered that aspect of it. But then, I mean, GPUs wouldn't be used in vehicles, right? I would no. processor, I'd imagine, but... And it's still. different for laptops too. Laptops have a whole different thing because my GPU is thicker than four MacBooks. So it's uses something totally different. I mean, it, it is a GPU that they have on laptops, but it's like a micro version. So we're blaming this entirely on uh, the Web3 crypto community. Yep. Yes. <laughs> they, take, uh, they take all the flack. <laughs> yep. I, I'm totally fine with that. All right. Suck it, guys. All right. We'll move on to flop of the year. Okay. Uh, who has not gone first yet? Um, me. I will go again then. There you go. Uh, so my flop of the year I went with was El Salvador's Bitcoin experiment. Um, for our loyal listeners, we did this story a couple months back. I think it's September. September. I think, yeah. Um, yeah, El Salvador announced that Bitcoin would become the legal primary currency of their country, um, opposed to the U.S. dollar, which they've used traditionally for as long as I can remember. Um, but... You know, 
I think we all guessed it wasn't going to work out too great. And, uh, and just as we may have hypothesized back in the episode, um, it did not work out that great. The experiment has failed. Um, the president of El Salvador, Naib Bukel, um, my apologies if I pronounced that terribly wrong. Um, his answer is more Bitcoin. He said, they just need more Bitcoin. The people will like it. It will be okay. Um, and more than 91% of Salvadorans, uh, they want the dollar, not Bitcoins. And the official payment system of uh, the Bitcoin in El Salvador was Chivo, uh, C-H-I-V-O. And uh, to start with, it was unreliable at launch in September, which, you know, is the kiss of death, as they say, for new systems. Yep. And they gave every user that signed up a $30 uh, sign-up bonus. So people that signed up for it got their $30 bonus, spent it or cashed it out, and then never looked at the app again and went back to their dollars. So who knows if they're going to be able to fix this, but I mean, I, it, it may be uh, time to put that one to rest. I will dig through the archives and take a look at what we said, but I, I want to say that our take on it was pretty much, this is great, I really hope it goes well, but it probably will not. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that was probably our take as well. I agree. I mean, in a perfect world, if it went well, I mean, that's awesome. That's exactly what we want to see. But uh, doubt, I think we doubted that it would go well. And I think our doubts came to fruition. Yeah, you don't even need a perfect world. Maybe just like a first world or like anything besides a third world would have done it. Yeah, I'm, I mean, before the show we were discussing and I don't want to hate on El Salvadorians, but I would, uh, I hypothesized that your average El Salvador citizen probably doesn't know much about Bitcoin and probably can't really explain cryptocurrency in general to, to someone else. And then uh, I think it was John pointed out, your average American probably really doesn't know much about it either. So why, why do we think that your average El, El Salvadorian can, uh, can use Bitcoin as their primary uh, currency? Yeah, that was my, my to be fair moment. I was like, eh, well, to be fair, majority of people in the world really have no clue what's going on. And yeah, it just is what it is. It was, it was a cute experiment. I hope they can fix it, but yeah. Oh, well. All right. All right next one. Um, I don't know. Matt, you or me? You take it. Okay. My flop of the year, awesome. I said cringy Tesla license plates. They really, really bother me. I can't stand them. So, <laughs> You just got to go look it up at some point. If you've never seen one on the road, the, it's like the, it's like the most chuggy thing of all time where you're driving around you see a Tesla and you're like, oh, cool, a Tesla. And he drives by and their license plate says like, ew, gas or like gas, no mo or like stuff like that. And you just look at them and you're like, oh, oh, you're one of those people. Oh, I really don't like you automatically. <laughs> like you, you, that is the most pretentious thing I've ever seen. Holy cow. And they're like everywhere. I see them all the time now. Can't stand it. At least it shot up sales and uh, vanity license plates for the DMV, I guess. Yeah, great. More tax revenue. Awesome. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, that's all I have to say on it. It bothers me, so I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> okay, Matt. All right. So I had the third, and my flop of the year was SPACs. Yep. We've had just about every new company that gets in the news is paired with some sort of SPAC and has gone public for whatever reason, because they think they can survive in the economics world. And just about all of them flop. Yeah, They go out and just like the SPAC that was going pus, uh, public for, with BuzzFeed, once they found out it was BuzzFeed, they were taking public, 84% of the investors pulled out all their money because it's left. BuzzFeed. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's specifically the celebrity ones too are always just terrible ideas. As we, we were talking about that pre-show, I was like, look, you get an NBA player, an NFL player, or a big celebrity, and they say, yeah, I'm starting starting a SPAC because that's the whole – or a politician will do that too. It's like you guys should just stick to insider trading, but regardless. And they'll start it and they'll be like, yeah, all right, we're going to do this. We're going to make it work. And then a month later, they're down 80%, 90%. And you're like, well, what'd you do? And they're like, oh, they just like bought the cannabis company that they like to smoke from. I was like, that's that's all they did. I was like, oh, well, that's why they're not in charge of the money system. So, yeah. Sounds about right. Yep. Also worth noting, the economics behind a SPAC do not make any sense. And the whole point of it originally was, whenever they're traditionally used, is, look, maybe there was a weird technicality and a company couldn't go public because of that technicality. But most of the time, when when one of the big exchanges refuses to list a company on their exchange, it's because there's a good reason for it. If the S&P 500, or I'm sorry, that's... We're, okay, if, if a big exchange or a big index doesn't want to list your company and you say, well, why not? And they're probably going to be like, well, because you don't have any money behind you. You're not making any money and you probably aren't going to, which means people don't find value, which means it's a ripoff. So <laughs> these were created as a way to get around that. And if you're getting around the fact that you're not making any money, you're still a bad company. <laughs> yeah, I know we talked about Tesla where they hadn't made any cars or anything, but like especially these electric vehicle companies and all where they haven't made anything they've got a concept it's literally a picture that's 3d rendered by some dude with a computer and they're like this is what we're going to make you yep. can have this range and whatever else they've done no r d for it like at all it's just a dream and a spac and together they go public yeah what's well, i'm sure there's a famous famous last word somewhere if only i had access to the public's money <laughs> never goes well all right that was a really good one i was glad you did that one okay so move on to category four or five most annoying buzzword and I guess we're back to whoever the first one to go first was. Was that Matt? You. Was it me? Or me? Me. It was me, yes. Yeah. So I said supply chain issues. We just finished Christmas. That's what everybody was hearing. Everything actually panned out pretty well from what uh, we were saying in a previous episode. But I'm so tired of hearing it across the board. Yeah, me too. Did you ever see the articles over the last few weeks where they, uh, it was like all the big media outlets said the same thing. They said, looks like you guys aren't going to be able to use supply chain issues for the reason why you didn't get your family member a present. And they like, they all said the exact same headline because everything got fixed. <laughs> yeah. Terrible. I just wish we'd get different news on different outlets. Like it's all the same thing spit out with different viewpoints. Yeah. It's awful. I got, mm -hmm. I got thoughts on that later on, but I'm sorry, Joey, it's your turn. All right. Um, my most annoying buzzword was NFT and uh, NFTs are a great thing. Um, a lot of companies are doing them well. Um, they're very useful, very valuable, uh, good way to invest your money if you do it, um, you know, in a smart manner. But, you know, I'm kind of sick and tired of hearing all these fake NFTs. Um, I'm sure John and I don't know if the algorithms figured Matt out yet, but our Instagrams are inundated with fake NFT companies just blowing up our inbox is saying, oh, we're about to mint 9,999 of this. Now's the time to get in. And it's it, there's nothing behind it. And I saw another report earlier today that Ubisoft tried doing an NF, tried incorporating NFTs in one of their large um, AAA games. And it just, it, it didn't work out. The public didn't want NFTs involved in their video games, um, especially like a large AAA one. Um, they said, no, thank you. Um, you know, NFTs are great, but they have their place and, uh, and that's about it. Yeah. I'm really sick of whenever I want to talk about this with someone and they're like, 
oh yeah, did you see the picture of the monkey over here doing? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm talking about like using it as a piece of code for like a financial reason or insurance or something. Like we can, we can, or authentication, or we we can use it for other things. And they're like, just want to talk about JPEGs. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't, I don't give a shit about that. Yeah, I was gonna say I just saw an article where someone was like, they put an ad up for someone to create nine uh, nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Uh, NFTs, obviously use an algorithm where you just swap out hats, facial expressions, whatever, clothes on them, whatever. And you know what they're offering them to make those 9,999 NFTs? What? $150. <laughs> That's the cost to make 10,000 NFTs is $150, and then you're going to generate so much for this random person with dumb art online. Right. And Adidas makes $25 million just because they've got such a following, and they release it, and it's like nothing, and they do it in a week. Or Budweiser mm-hmm. with their three thousand or so like specific cans. So we're over sitting here like, why would you buy a beer you can't drink? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, very confusing. I think the ship has sailed for the most part on on the JPEGs. You know, the valuable ones that are already out there are out there. You know, CryptoPunks I think have cemented their place. Uh, Board Ape Yacht Club have cemented their place. But there's just way too many of them now that if they haven't took off already. I mean, I hate to break it to you. You're probably not going to become a millionaire off of minting your own JPEGs. So the next step is what else can this code be used for as John just touched on? And there, I mean, the applications are endless. We barely even scratch the surface on the applications. So I, I like you said, all it takes is Gary V to get a group of people in a room and all of a sudden it's the next big thing. That's true. <laughs> there's a there's a really really funny um, video that Stevie Emerson did. He's a comedian on Instagram about Gary Vee, like imitating him. I have to see if I can somehow dig it up from the abyss. It is so funny, and he's just like, so like, yeah, Gary Vee, I sell everything. I eat my own poop, and he just like goes on for like maybe ten minutes, but it's so funny, and he's just it's it's great. I gotta find it, but you're right. You can literally put anyone and start talking about it. So I think. The useless NFTs are done, but I don't think, I don't know how to put this. Like you could attach it to a picture like they've done with Board Ape Yacht Club and all that stuff. But the reason why those projects do so well is they're, they're, they're technically like access cards into a community and people want to be a part of the community. So you can continue to do the pictures, but your picture has to be an access card to do something. That's fair. And that's why, I mean, that's why Gary Vee getting all these people like DJ Khaled, Odo Beckham Jr., uh, the Paul brothers involved is is so integral in driving that price up because everyone wants to say they're part of a community with famous people like that. I mean, you and, D- you and DJ Khaled are a part of an exclusive community, the Board Ape Yacht Club. Pretty cool. Uh, but that's the the difficult part is getting a guy like Gary Vee to buy and then go promote the shit out of it. Yep. And he's going to want a heck of a big piece of that profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, same note, you could make them into just like tickets, like the Tortuga 2022 ticket is an NFT. They scan your phone, wallet or whatever to see your NFT and that's what gets you in. And then that's your little memorabilia for getting in. You can sell it in the future and say, oh, I have like a Super Bowl whatever ticket, which was the first <laughs> NFT Super Bowl ticket or whatever. Yeah, I just wrote that down. I'm going to see if we can do that. That's a really good idea. Nobody, Nobody take that. I have work to do. It's already, it's already, what is it? Trademark, copywritten, patented, patented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, uh, we got a hold of it. Uh, don't even try. So we'll figure that out. Damn, should stop out. giving out ideas on the show. Oh, I know, but it's just so much fun. It's like, this is the best little think tank. 
<laughs> okay. All right. So mine, I'll finish up. Most annoying buzzword. I said metaverse. I'm sick of hearing about the metaverse. It was the first thing on every single... The second Facebook did their little thing where they went on a tangent about it. And Zuckerberg, in his alien eyes, just couldn't stop talking about it for a week or so. And then it was on everyone's Twitter feed, Instagram, everything for the next three months. And it still has not stopped. And I'm sick of it. You could have placed... You could place this headline for any company. You say X company, like any company on the planet has decided they're going to have a piece of the metaverse and virtual land and stuff like that. And they've, they've just, the news cycle has just one by one done every company that exists. And I think they might be almost out of companies by now, but I don't know. I'm sick of hearing about it. I don't care. Like it is what it is. I like my virtual reality stuff. It's a lot of fun. We have a good time, but holy cow. It's just, I'm sick of hearing that word. I think this may be why, like, there's a lot of, like, we had the categories for should have dated in high school, where, like, these are the things that, like, we should have got in on early, but, like, it's thing like things like the metaverse, where all the people that are into it are so annoying, They're and so all annoying. the talk about it are so annoying, yep. that anybody in their right mind is like, I don't want any part of that. It just pisses me off to even hear, talk about it, think about it, so we just avoid them, and then they blow up later, and the people that were so into it make millions. Yeah, that's true. And two years later, we're going to redo this and the should have dated in high school is going to be the just the whole most annoying buzzword category. Oh, I'm going to hate that. <laughs> yep. And then we're going to know we're old. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Okay. All right. Not quite dead yet. Number five. I We've gone through, I think, all the cycles we can do. So I'll just I'll snake draft it and I'll start us up. I wanted I just wanted to highlight Tom Brady. I think he's done a terrific job of staying relevant. He's he's like got all these business ideas going on. Like he's a bunch of a He's a part of a whole bunch of uh, NFT and crypto uh, projects, I guess you can call them. In addition to, he does nutritional stuff. I think he's in the CBD and cannabis industry. Like he, he's he's ahead of all of the young industries, and he's always doing something. He's on tons of commercials. I, the man's in his like late forties, I think. Early, I don't know. He's in his forties, and he's a professional football player. With God, he's just he's just terrific. I really do admire the heck out of him, and he's a good businessman too. So he's my highlight there. Yeah, there's a reason every team he's on is able to, uh, you know, pay him significantly less so they can pay everyone around him significantly more. And it's because he has all these other businesses where he's making his money from. It's it's the reason the Patriots were so successful for so long. It's the reason the Buccaneers were able to return every single one of their starters for the 2021 season because they're not spending their entire salary budget on Tom Brady. I did not know that. I had no idea that was the case, and that actually makes me like him more. <laughs> yeah, he, he does not take a very large salary. I mean, he doesn't take league minimum, don't get me wrong, but he's not one of those guys. He's he's far from the top-paid quarterback in the NFL. He he makes most of his money off of his TB12 health and fitness programs, um, off of various other businesses. Like you said, he's involved in the NFT market, the crypto markets. He he has so many other businesses that he can afford to take reduced salaries so that way his teammates can get paid and they can win championships. Well, I learned something today. Thank you. Yeah. Jeez. Absolutely. All right. One of you two. All right. The one that I had for not quite dead yet is the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth. This lady was born in 1926 she is 95 years old she has been ruling england since 1952 before most of our parents were born this lady does not die and is just having a great time over there with her corgis in england so i meant it in like a social way and you took it in a very literal way <laughs> i mean you're right <laughs> you're definitely not wrong 
I mean, she it's, makes it in the news major headlines at least a few times a year. This lady's staying relevant. Oh, geez. She's teetering, though. I mean, every every couple weeks or something, I see Queen of uh, Queen of England couldn't travel to this palace for this function. She sends her regrets. She's not feeling well. So it's like she's hanging around. Yeah, I'll bet but she's just, just a... Yeah, it's a battle between her and Betty White to see who will go out first. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. Whichever one wins uh, stays as the Queen of England. Betty White gets transferred over. Yeah, they had a they had a bet in like the eighties, and they're like, "All right, whoever outlasts the other, <laughs> I'll run the royal family." You're not my mom. <laughs> oh, that's great. All right, Joey, you got the last one. Yeah, I'll bring us home with uh, another athlete who's involved in the crypto markets and is uh, still, you know, kicking is Tiger Woods. Yeah. He, um, I think he released his own NFT line as well earlier in the year. Um, he's been involved in in this whole Web3 industry between cryptos and NFTs. Um, and he's still golfing, uh, although maybe not professionally since his uh, last, I think it was a car accident. And he had to get more surgeries and, you know, he, he was banged up pretty pretty bad there for a little bit, but I did see him and his son competed in a father-son tournament over, uh, maybe it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe two or three weeks ago, and they took seconds, so, you know, he's still out there swinging the clubs, he's just not, uh, he's not participating on the tour as of right now, but I think we'll see. I think you actually won this category, he's like the epitome of not quite dead yet, like Tom Brady, there's never been any question, he's just never going to die or go away, Queen Elizabeth, I just love that you did that, that's so literal and dark. And then, but yours is makes sense. It's literally like he's, 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 you know, he's getting there. He's pretty much almost there, but he's definitely not out yet. Yeah. I thought he was done, you know, a couple years ago and then he comes back and wins a, another major. Um, and it's like, holy shit, this guy is never going to be done. Not quite dead yet. Really? I, I feel quite fine. <laughs> he's impressive. I, I love Tiger myself. Uh, one of my old bosses, when I used to work at a beer distributor, hated him, so I'd always wear my Tiger Woods shirt to work. It was hilarious. <laughs> I don't know why he hated him, but he hated him. Well, you could have been I for all the, the scandals and allegations and shit. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I guess he isn't. He wasn't the most stand-up guy, and his wife taught him a lesson, but... <laughs> it's terrible. I love it. All right, so we've run half the length of our current show already, so I say instead of following what we've got out here we hop around and just pick some stuff as the last show of the year and we'll just have some fun is that cool with you guys sounds yeah. fantastic awesome i i wanted to give animal spirits another shout out i, I shout them out all the time because i really enjoy their show ben and michael just do a terrific job and uh it's fun i was listening to the most recent episode today on my way driving around town and we just talked about fundrise and these guys are pretty well connected in like the entrepreneurial like the young investment startup community and so at the end of the episode, they're like, yep, we've got so-and-so, the CEO of Fundrise, coming on the next episode. And I was like, oh, oh, that's funny. Go you guys. That's, that's great. We just talked about them. Yeah, at least we're keeping up with the big boys. Yeah, something something like that. <laughs> I would love to have them on, but I don't know. They, they're really good at what they do, and they're fun to listen to. So definitely give them a listen if you want. But... Other than that, uh, I highlight the other two podcasts that I've actually been really enjoying recently. The first one is it's it's not investment advice. That's the title. It's not investment advice. And it's uh, three three guys. I, I actually forget their names. Trung Fan is one of the ones. I know Matt. You you introduced me to him. They do a pretty decent job. They're they're British. They're heavily British. So if you're not prepared for the accent, it may be a little difficult to understand in the very beginning. But they're <laughs> very intelligent guys. They know what they're doing. They talk a lot about like. They mix pop culture and traditional finance and banking and investment banking really well. 
I think that's kind of hard to do. So I admire them a lot for that. And it was they, they put on a really good show. And uh, the second one I wanted to do was it's where it happens, which I highlighted before with Sahil Bloom and Greg Eisenberg. I think these guys are terrific. They really know what they're doing. And they're just like the epitome of bootstrap entrepreneurs that figured it out and made it and have continued to figure it out in the new world. Love it. I'm definitely going to have to give them a listen. I mean, I've never heard of them before, but you seem to be a pretty big fan. And, and then you mentioned their Discord as well. So a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah, I've become a huge fan of Discord. Matt, do you have any medical plot podcasts you want to plug? No, I try to avoid medicine outside of the uh, study sessions as best I can. I used to listen to them all the time. If you're going to go into med school, uh, one I used to listen to prior to coming here is called the Short Coat Podcast. Obviously, the short coat's a reference to the fact that med students wear a short white coat. Uh, it's out of a university up in the Midwest, and they're fantastic. I used to love listening to them. They tell you a lot about the life and everything that you're going to be living once you get here and how exciting and fun it is. What was it called again? The Short Coat Post Podcast. I love it. All right. That's a good one. That's a good plug. Joey, what about you? Oh, man. My podcasts are a lot more mindless and, uh, and entertaining. I'm a, I'm a big fan of anything with uh, this friend group of comedians that I like. Um, that includes Tom Segura, Burt Kreischer. Um, the Bear Cave. I think what else? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Two Bears, One Cave. That's Burt and Tom. They're fun. Uh, great podcast but it's mostly just Bert saying stupid shit and talking over Tom which is hilarious um and then another one I enjoy is your mom's house which is Tom Segura and his wife and that is probably my number one favorite podcast they're just they're hilarious if you don't know Tom's wife uh Christina Pajitsky uh also she goes by Christina P um she is hilarious and her and Tom together they're both professional comedians um they're so funny and it's kind of like a clip show they uh they break down weird TikToks and stuff and different clips people send them and it is just satirical and hilarious and if you like comedy that's a great podcast to listen to and then um i'm trying to think what else i like uh christina p tom segura's wife has her own podcast called uh where my mom's at that's a good one um it's not for moms the the joke is she calls everyone mommies uh, including her husband so it's like where my homies at where my mom's at something like that so that's funny um trying to think what else uh bert kreischer has his own podcast that's a good one the bert cast um fan of that as well but that one can get a little bit more serious less uh comedical is that a word did i just make that up i don't know i'm gonna just make that up um (laughs) but i think that that hits all uh all my favorites so yeah bert and tom well they're absolutely hilarious people i mean we could do like pardon my take as an honorable mention they're always good Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're great. Anything Barstool is good too. I find it's just I've been listening to them since high school, so you know I need to shake something up this year and got into the Your Mom's House community. And and let me just tell you, I mean I could talk about Your Mom's House forever. I highly recommend it. But they've got all these inside jokes. It's it's literally its own little community. But the one is they bully Garth Brooks. I don't know why, but he gets bullied by Tom Segura. And I don't even know if Garth Brooks knows who Tom Segura is, but. This podcast, Your Mom's House, has hundreds of thousands of listeners. And if you go look at Garth Brooks' Instagram or Facebook, every single comment on every single post is a Your Mom's House reference. You will see um, people say, like, touch my camera through the fence. I'm coming up in May. Um, Where'd you hide the bodies, Garth? And these are all funny things that Tom and, and Christina P. have talked about on the show. And they have little inside jokes. And it's it's so funny. 
dude, that's the power of community. That is 100% the test case for why so many people care about social media and why all these entrepreneurs need to try to build their communities. You have so much reach if you have that. Yeah, I mean, Garth Brooks is terrified of Tom Segura, let me tell you. He actually blocked Tom on Instagram. So Tom started this whole thing and said, uh, um, let T play G or something like that. <laughs> and Tom got all his followers to go to Garth Brooks and just bombard his comments with, why'd you block Tom? Why'd you block Tom? Let Tom play. That's not nice. And I mean, the poor guy's media team has to just hate Tom Segura. Dude, that's, that's as funny as that is, that's kind of a bummer because mob mentality is just crazy. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You'd hate if that happened to you. <laughs> I'd be so bummed out. Mm-hmm. I remember. But, I mean, go ahead. You gotta, you gotta go watch their clips or whatever, because some of the clips that they have of Garth Brooks and how this all started is just too funny. I mean, they literally have a clip of them saying, you know, he'd like to play a bad guy and hide dead bodies if he was on TV. So that's why they started like, where are the dead bodies at, Garth? <laughs> and like shit like that. It's, it's good. They're comedians, you know. Anything I say isn't nearly as funny as when they say it. Yeah, delivery is everything. I'll definitely plug yeah. them. You, yeah, we'll, we'll get a little list. I'll plug it in the show notes because. Oh yeah, I love discovering new stuff. Did I? So, the reason I do feel a little bit bad for him is <laughs> I've definitely had my share of uh, of say something on social media and you can't go on for two days. <laughs> Did I ever tell you guys about that? Oh, what happened? Yeah. So back when the last season of Game of Thrones was out, there was a lot of really terrible takes on uh, on Twitter, and the Twitterverse is pretty big. It's, it was pretty big back then, so I really enjoyed it. I said, look, I said I think they did the best with what they could. It is what it is. It's a really complex show, and it was never supposed to be made in the first place, and they did a good job. But the world hated the last season of Game of Thrones. I know you probably have opinions on it, too. And so one of the people went on there and was like, yeah, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was super rushed. I really just hated every second of it. And I, you know, I came on there, and I gave him a little quote and was like, this is a good example of a fake fan right there. You know, like this thing should have never been produced. It was almost impossible. I think we got to support him through what it is. And he just, he just retweeted it. And then all of a sudden... I am completely flooded with replies and memes and quotes of me (laughs) from people I've never seen before. Want to know who this person was? (laughs) Sure. It was Uncle Chaps from Barstool. I had no idea who he was at the time. (laughs) No way. Yeah. (laughs) How did I never know this? Because they kept it really secret because it was a really bad three days. It was rough. I could not open my Twitter. I would just open it up and be like, ooh, 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 ooh I'm just going to stay off this for a while. <laughs> oh, that's too good. But the funny thing is I actually agree with you, John, in your take. Um, so John got me into Game of Thrones uh, right after season two came out on Fought TV. Tooth and nail for it. Yeah, John's been a day wonder, and he tried to get me in for a while. I was hesitant, resisted it. And, uh, and you know, finally, after season two wrapped up, he was like, Joey, you're going to sit down and watch this. He came up north. We we watched it, and he made me like it. And I love it. I've read every book. I have replicas of the swords hanging on my walls. I am the biggest Game of Thrones nerd there is now. Well, because I knew that would happen. <laughs> yep. It is right up my alley. I love everything about it. And nothing gets me more angry than when someone just started watching in season eight. It's the, the first time they've seen a season live, and they have the balls to talk shit on it and think that they're allowed to critique it because they're not 
Because they're not. They have, they're not that have a say. They're not that have an opinion. They literally hopped on 10 years late, and then all of a sudden they're an expert, and they know nothing. They don't even know who wrote the books. They don't know who George R. R. Martin is. They couldn't tell you the single name of a single book. They don't know where it's going, and they don't know anything about our pain with the winds of winter and why it hasn't come out for the last 11 years. <laughs> and I just want to cry thinking about it, because all I want to do is read this book. Yeah, and it was a totally different show back in the first few seasons. It was like really slow and political and tense, and then everything would just explode out of nowhere. The last three seasons, there's no there's no stop to the action. It just goes and goes and goes. And I'm like, all right, I get if you want to criticize it, but they just had to wrap it up at some point. And uh, whether or not Chaps has been there for the whole time, I don't know. Again, I, I've, de- I've deeply considered like sending him an apology and be like, hey, you don't know me, but I said something that maybe wasn't super positive to you a few years ago, and I feel really bad about it, but uh, no hard feelings or anything like that. <laughs> I don't know. I just think that would be, I think you'd get a kick out of it and be like, eh, cool. <laughs> like you said, though, I think it becoming so mainstream is the reason it became nonstop action because mm-hmm. HBO realized what they had on their hands and they were like, they just started throwing money at it. Their yep. budgets got millions and millions of dollars and they were like, we need more action because it's so mainstream. It's like people like explosions, people like sword fights, people don't like drama and dialogue and endless traveling and then we ended up with what it ended up with so all the hardcore critics out there of the last season i mean really the the product is of their own demise yeah they they got the <laughs> they got the story team together sat them down they're like all right so what are we gonna do and they said well the fans came back they like dragons and they like fire well what do we do more dragons more fire <laughs> more death <laughs> all right <laughs> HBO's just shoveling money at the TV series. Just, just keep, the, keep the views up. We got you. Keep the views up. Yeah. The most disappointing episode, though, that I will say I was kind of bummed on was the Battle of Winterfell because they hyped it up for so long, and that episode is so dark. Oh, it's I, hard to see anything. Yeah. Well, have you rewatched it recently? I haven't. I've been wanting to, but I have not. It holds up. It's it's actually really intense. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't remember. We watched it sometime in the past year. I don't know why. But for some reason, we watched that episode specifically sometime in the last year. And I, you're on the edge of your seat the entire time. And I am a bit, I'm a big fan of any storyteller that can make it look like there's no way out. Where it just all hope is lost entirely. And I'm, I'm, I, like, I, think, I think a lot. So I sit here and I'm like, I could think of a way out of this. And then something happens and you're like, oh, I did not see that coming. <laughs> that was out of nowhere. And they do that. Mm. It's great. Oh, yeah. my God. It's great. Oh. We can talk about Game of Thrones for hours. Yeah, well, that's the purpose of the wrap-up of the, the whole year. We're allowed to do this. Okay, let's yeah. let's go through. We have, all right, we got two short company highlights I can do because these are, these are fun and these are actually probably applicable to listeners, so we might as well do it. Uh, the first one we'll do is uh, it's common stock, which is one word. I like this. So this is an, it's an event, it's a social stock trading plot. Think like, um, sorry, thoughts jumped around there for a minute. Think Twitter meets Robinhood, basically, where the point of this app was there's just a whole ton of people out there that claim that they're really good investors and they know what they're doing, but there's no receipts to prove it. And most of the time, they're just scam artists who want your money. So this is your chance to go prove it. And you can follow investors and keep up with their track record. And every like all the trades they make are public so everyone can see. They can see when they're winning, when they're losing. And it's like a, it's a put your money where your mouth is kind of thing for the, the massively convoluted world of social media investing. I love it. I'm all over it. I hope it puts all the little investment advice people out of business where like they hop on like, hey, give me however much money and I'll triple it in this amount of time. Like, okay, go make a common stock account. Let me see how you do. Let me see your record. Like, quit just like BSing me with your 
Forex plan or whatever else it is or crypto. Yeah, that's the perfect use for it. But no, they're not going to do that because then it would just expose them. Exactly. In addition to that, too, I hope it puts a lot of the Twitter brokers out of business. There are so many people on Twitter that claim to be experts and they just try to generate buzz around these stupid little penny stocks to try to hype them up and then get them to spike. And I mean, you have no clue what their positions are on the stock and they're they're just over there tweeting, IDEX to the moon, to the moon, IDEX. Yep. We're going to the moon, guys. And like, then you look into the company and they have like 12 counts of fraud against them and never produced a single dollar. And you don't even know where they're based out of, but they just bought a warehouse in China, apparently. And yeah. it's like, what is going on here? Well, that's, that's a, you only learn that lesson once, maybe twice, where you do that and then the thing fails and you get rugged. They pull the rug out from under you and you're like, oh, oh, they had no idea what they were doing. I just got rugged. Yeah. So, I mean, it it definitely has a, this company definitely has a a use and I hope they succeed. Yeah. I like it a lot. It's a young company, so we'll see where it goes. But either way, you can also attach it to your Twitter and I guess probably Facebook too and stuff like that. But I attached it to my Twitter just to see who was on there. It was, uh, it was actually just Sahil Bloom was the only one I had on who was also on there. But you get to see like the big influencers you follow and if they're actually able to put their money where their mouth is. But it's fun. All right. Second one we'll do is uh, moon pay. Also one word, a moon like the moon pay like you pay one word. And uh, it allows you to buy NFTs with a credit card. So why I like this idea is because the big problem I have is there's too many steps involved to getting into the Web3 and crypto world. There's way too many steps. And I've watched people go through halfway through the process and then halfway through they said, all right, we've already used more effort than it took to open like a flipping bank account. Uh, I don't want to do this. I don't care that much anymore. So they act as the intermediary that deals with the headache between getting your physical dollars all the way up to being able to purchase a digital asset. I like the idea a lot. Their big tagline is, we believe buying crypto shouldn't be so hard. I agree with it. Founded in 2019, so it's also a young company. And their whole story is, you know, it was basically just two dudes who woke up and were like, we can solve this. We can take on the headache ourselves and make everyone else's lives easier. So they let you buy the NFTs in the same fashion you would off of OpenSea or a platform like that, but you can use a credit card with any like normal, regular bank that you would go to. So you don't have to go through the, the hassle of getting yourself a wallet and exchange and changing it over and uh, worrying about exchange rates and paying fees. I, I just like it a lot. I'm a big supporter. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty simple and easy solution to the problems we've had. Maybe they can implement this in other ways throughout the crypto universe. We'll see. I can't believe we hadn't thought of this before. It makes perfect sense. You say, all right, well, the new companies that are coming out and being really successful are making things easy and they're simplifying overcomplicated processes. This is the epitome of that. Yeah, the easier you make it, the more people that can get involved and the more people involved, the better, I think. Right. Totally agree. Okay. More JPEGs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more monkey, more monkey pictures. <laughs> All right, maybe I retract my original statement. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so uh, Matt, would you like to do the Tesla recall story? Okay, this doesn't relate much to all the other fun stuff we've done this episode, but in case you haven't seen the news in the past day or so, Tesla has recalled four hundred and seventy-five thousand total Model S and Model Threes. Uh, the issue is, is with the threes, they have an issue with the rear view camera. Basically, if you opened up the back end a bunch of times, it would make issues with the little line. So that way you want to get a full screen, uh, coming up picture. And I'm like, is this really an issue? Just drive your car with your mirrors. We've done this for ages. My car is old as hell. I don't have cameras. Learn to drive your car. Quit relying on these cameras. 
you shouldn't be doing this in the first place. We should keep having driving tests, make it where you have to use your mirrors and actually looking at your cars. Otherwise, people are just going to stare at the stupid screens every time they have to do anything. Yeah, technology is complementary. It doesn't, it doesn't replace. Exactly. And then the issue with the Model S's was, is they're having issues with the, with the frunk. Basically, it was really easy for people to release it and they wouldn't really know. And then they would go driving and then the frunk would open. Oh, oh. And, <laughs> and supposedly these weren't like massive issues where it's happening to a lot of people, but it was found out that it was happening in enough that like, okay, we need to issue a recall and actually solve this issue before anybody like dies. Yeah, I can just picture someone going straight down like 90 miles an hour down the highway and all of a sudden your frunk's up and you're like, uh-oh, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, it's good that Tesla's actually out here and fixing the issues and not doing a uh, Ford Pinto type of uh, scenario where they'll just pay the lawsuits. Yeah, It's good to see the companies are actually solving their issues and taking claim of them early on. Elon's like, I get so much flack on Twitter already. I want to be able to use the app. And if I don't fix this, I'm not going to be able to use it tomorrow. So we're just going to have to suck it up and deal with it. Yeah, I assume it's not a very hard issue. Like, I, I assume with the trunk, they'll just probably put out a little update or whatever that creates some sort of sensor or ding or whatever that your front is open and it won't let you go driving unless it uh, latches into place. The issue with the rear view camera, uh, I don't know. It's not that big a deal. They could just have people fix it on their own for all I care, but they'll probably have to replace the cord, make it a little bit more bendy or something so that way it doesn't break. Yeah, the rear view thing's kind of goofy. I learned to drive. It's really not that hard. <sighs> Very frustrating. Okay, all right. Do you want to do... We'll do... How about we do one more of the car stories and then we can wrap it up. All right. Pick your company. I want the Rivian one. That's I'm sorry. I was going in a direction with that. <laughs> All righty. So Rivian, the favorite uh, Tesla competitor, their R1S and R1T models with the long range batteries are now delayed till 2023 rather than coming out this next year that starts in a couple days. Well, so what does that mean? So are they only releasing ones that go like 200? Yeah, so it looks like they're going to still be able to release the shorter range models, but if you want the longer range batteries that have a higher capacity, you're not going to be able to get them for another year at least. So are we blaming that to uh, supply chain issues? <laughs> don't say that word. <laughs> yeah, I know. That was on purpose. <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know. That's that's interesting. Well, it's probably because the lithium is getting hard to come by at this point. Yeah. So they'll figure it out. Maybe they'll come out early. I, I, I'd be much happier if companies would put out like more conservative estimates. Like it'll, it would be like at least 2023. And then if it comes out earlier, then they can just say, oh, we got it done faster. Good on us. Yeah. And then you can get them newer. But it seems like a lot of companies are giving like really like questionable estimates. Like, oh, it'll be 2023. And then it's 2023. And they're like, ah, oh, it'll be 2024. And then it just keeps getting pushed farther and farther back. Like, let's give us something that's like a little bit more of a long shot and then release it early if you get things to work. Well, they're following the Tesla model, which is say something ridiculous to make headlines, make a giant promise, and then use the, use the buzz and the money generated from the headlines to produce something that will make the money to make it happen earlier. But it doesn't work because most of these people are not fast and nimble enough. Yeah, I feel like definitely with EV companies, any news is good news, good or bad. Somehow they can twist it into making more money. Yeah, it's true because then more people will, because, you know, you get all the meme stock, people are just going to pile into the stock and that's free money mm -hmm. to them. Not It isn't actually free money, but that's interesting. Yeah, so that'll be coming out right by the time the uh, Chevy, whatever it is, the the new super new truck. Yeah, 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 because they're doing, no, I thought they were in 2022. I don't know. Either way bunch of trucks in the next few years that'll be fun 
Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else super pressing? No, all my stuff can wait at least. Joey, you good? Yeah, all good. Okay, awesome. Well, that's it. Heck of a good year, right? I would say so. Okay, well, on that note, uh, not to be cringy, but we'll see you in 2022. Yep, see you next year. Happy New Year's, everyone.